Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, world leaders have gathered in Beijing for the third Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation. Hundreds of people have been killed in an attack on a Gaza hospital, with Israel and Palestinians blaming each other for the tragedy. U.S. Republican Jim Jordan has suffered a loss on first House Speaker vote. We begin with the third Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation in Beijing. World leaders have gathered at the Great Hall of the People for the opening ceremony. Chinese President Xi Jinping delivered a keynote speech, saying China will work with all parties to usher Belt and Road cooperation into a new stage of high-quality development to achieve modernization for all countries. Zhao Wingfei reports on some of the highlights from the scene. It's Beijing's moment as the Chinese capital welcomes world leaders. Charting the course for the common good, Chinese President Xi Jinping shared his vision of cooperation between countries under the Belt and Road Framework. We have learned that humankind is a community with a shared future. China can only do well when the world is doing well. When China does well, the world will get even better. Through Belt and Road cooperation, China is opening its door even wider to the world. An additional 80 billion yuan will be injected into the Silk Road Fund. Together, they will support BRI projects on the basis of market and business operation. The modernization we are pursuing is not for China alone, but for all developing countries through our joint efforts. Global modernization should be pursued to enhance peaceful development. And mutually beneficial cooperation, and bring prosperity to all. The Belt and Road Initiative has not just focused on infrastructure and trade. Cooperation has expanded to new industries such as healthcare, low-carbon energy, the digital economy, and innovation. The meeting hall is flanked by the flags of participating countries. Through the Belt and Road Initiative, China's friend circle has become larger, and the initiative has brought a new path for the world to realize modernization. The Chinese president first announced the initiative during official visits to Kazakhstan and Indonesia in 2013. A decade of endeavor has left tangible outcomes. China has signed over 230 cooperation documents with more than 150 countries and 30 international organizations. The chair's statement from this year's summit captures the consensus among participants and lays out the future direction of cooperation: a list of multilateral cooperation deliverables and a list of practical projects have also been released. The Belt and Road Initiative has brought far-reaching global impact in the past 10 years. This gathering has carried on the foundation, taking the friendship to the next level for the common development and prosperity. That was Zhao Yingfei reporting from the Chinese capital. In the Middle East, clashes continue between Israel and Palestine. Gaza's health ministry spokesperson says a recent Israeli airstrike has killed 500 people at a local hospital. Israel has countered the claim, saying it was a Palestinian barrage that caused the deadly blast.
Media reports say this is by far the single deadliest attack in Gaza since violence began over a week ago. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres has condemned the attack. The ongoing conflict so far has killed at least 4,300 people on both sides. More on the fatal bombing of the Gazan hospital. Here's John Gambrell. There's conflicting information about what caused this explosion. Now, Hamas, which runs the Gaza Strip and which Israel's at war with right now, has blamed this explosion on an airstrike. Israel, for its part, says that a misfired rocket that came from Gaza hit the hospital, causing the explosion. Footage after the attack just showed a tableau of horror, bodies strewn everywhere, paramedics trying to just step between them to find those still alive, to try to render aid to keep them alive. Now, all this comes as part of this punishing airstrike campaign that Israel has been launching since this Hamas attack about a week ago that saw Hamas kill some 1,400 Israelis and take another 200 as hostages. Meanwhile, this Israeli airstrike campaign has continued. We saw an airstrike that killed a top Hamas leader and also hit the home of the top, top Hamas leader. Meanwhile, Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas says he will not be taking part in a planned visit that Biden meant to take to Jordan afterwards to meet with him. Across the region, we're hearing loud condemnation from most Arab nations, and we're seeing protests in the West Bank as well as in Amman and other places over this explosion at the hospital. All this could lead to a wider regional war that could break out. We've seen Hezbollah to the north in Lebanon exchange fire with Israel over the last couple of days. Today, some five Hezbollah fighters were declared dead by that militant group. Now, Israel still thinks that Hezbollah is the most deadly terror group that it faces because it has so many rockets. It has hundreds of thousands of rockets and missiles that they can use to target Israel. And you have to keep in mind that Israel's Iron Dome defense system, which has about a 90% success rate, can shoot down some of these missiles, but if it's a large barrage, some of them could get through and hit targets in Israel. That's why we've seen America move so fast to provide support to Israel. We've seen one aircraft carrier in the Eastern Mediterranean, another's on its way. There's also some 2,000 troops that have been warned that they could be called up to provide some combat support, but not actually fight on the ground here. All this together and this hospital explosion shows that the risk of a regional escalation is very real. That was John Gambrell reporting. Meantime, the Rafah border crossing from Gaza to Egypt remains closed. It's the sole route for aid to enter Gaza directly from outside Israel and the only exit that does not lead to Israeli territory. As the conflict intensifies, Rafah now has become a focus. Yasser Hakim tells us more about the situation on the ground. There has been air raids close to the border, actually it hit the Palestinian side of the border which over a few hundred meters from the Egyptian side. And uh, it has, we felt it and we, we saw the smoke and heard the bombings on the other side, which resulted in the killing of Palestinians on the other side of the border. On the Egyptian side, the convoys, uh, over 110 uh, convoys carrying aid, all types of aid, medical equipment, medicine, Uh, food, water, fuel, tents, uh, clothes for the winter. And there's uh, this anticipation when will the border will be open. uh, The the convoys uh, moved from Al-Arish, where I am now, uh, to the Rafah border uh, early in the morning. 
uh, on the news or hopes that the, the border will be open, but they stayed until late at night, uh, nothing at all. And obviously the Palestinians have to wait uh, more days for the aid that they badly need with the shortage of uh, everything from medicine, from water, food. The situation is getting worse every day and uh, Egypt is working hard uh, with international mediators to try to push Israel to uh, open the border. Egypt has announced that the border is open from its side for the last few days, uh, but uh, the bombings by Israel uh, and Israel not uh, giving the permission or allowing the delivery of the uh, food and aid to the Palestinians uh, has prevented the convoys from going in uh, in fear of being attacked by air raids as well. So uh, the situation is still uh, unclear. Uh, when will it will happen? When will the uh, border be open? But mo uh, more important right now is also uh, deliver aid to the uh, Palestinians in order to uh, be able to survive because every day uh, means more loss of lives for the Palestinians. That was Yasser Hakim reporting. In North America, combative right-wing Republican Jim Jordan is looking for more time to build support for his bid for Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives after coming up short in a first vote. It is now raising questions about his prospects for winning the job. Nathan King has more from Washington. Well, the saga continues here on Capitol Hill. It has now been exactly two weeks without a Speaker of the House, unprecedented in American history. And the latest candidate for the Republican Party, Jim Jordan, failed at the first ballot. He needed 217 votes. He got 200. So essentially, 20 of his party uh, voted against him. Some even voted for Kevin McCarthy. Remember the speaker who was ousted that began this whole uh, clown show. Some voted for the person who didn't make it to the floor, Steve Scalise. Some even voted for their worst enemies in Congress because no one in their right mind would take the job, said one. Now, all the Democrats, of course, voted uh, for Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader. They don't have a majority, so he won't be speaker unless something happens. But behind closed doors, I can tell you now, Jim Jordan is trying to get those 17 votes he needs. But the latest information we have is some of the people who voted for him in the first round are backing off. Now, whether they bring this back to the floor or not, we'll wait and see. It could be hours, it could be days. But what we do know is he doesn't have the votes yet. And why? Jim Jordan entered Congress about 15, 16 years ago as essentially a legislative bomb thrower. He wanted to blow up government. He didn't want to pass legislation. He actually hasn't passed much legislation. He's leading the Biden impeachment inquiry. He went after Hillary Clinton over the death of the ambassador in Benghazi, uh, Libya. He is a huge supporter of Donald Trump. And this is important for a lot of his Republican colleagues is he refuses to admit that Joe Biden won the 2020 presidential election. He did not certify it back on January 6, 2021. So people are saying, how can you be third in line for the presidency after the vice president and not stick by the constitutional norms? He's also against aid for Ukraine, a big thing that has to pass this House if it ever comes back to life. Uh, he's prevaricating on keeping the government open after November the 17th, when the money runs out and they have to pass bills or the government shuts down. All this suggests that he is a very difficult nominee, 
not just for mainstream Republicans, in which the party is largely a majority, but also some on the Conservative side who don't see him as someone who can bridge the gaps in his party, let alone the Democrats. That was Nathan King reporting. Recapping today's headlines. World leaders have gathered in Beijing for the third Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation. Hundreds of people have been killed in an attack on a Gaza hospital, with Israel and Palestinians blaming each other for the tragedy. U.S. Republican Jim Jordan has suffered a loss on first House Speaker vote. And that's it for this edition of the Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.